You're sitting in the corporate conference room, and you're the only woman at the table. Probably the gentlemen around the table are a little less comfortable having a chat with the woman in the room, but that's okay. Women are more than 50% of the population, but have only 20% of the seats on corporate boards. If you think about the role of women in the economy, they spend about 85% of all consumer dollars. If you have a diverse board, in particular women on the board, your stock price is going to do better. How much can a CEO control who's on the board? Oh, we control that a lot. Women and people of color actually comprise about half our board. There's a lot of research out there that demonstrates that companies that have more diverse boards, more women on their boards, actually perform much better in pretty much any financial metric. A business designed to change corporate culture in other businesses. But our strategy is to educate companies about why diverse boards are better, more profitable, and improve the bottom line, and advocate for change. This is the Language of Business, a weekly podcast to inform and inspire entrepreneurs and anyone thinking about a startup. Learn about strategies that work and strategies that don't work. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Greg Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. On this episode, we look at women on corporate boards. Here's Greg. Thanks, Don. You're in a crowded corporate boardroom. Only problem is that you're the only woman around the table. What happens next? Kathy Cucolo certainly knows a thing or two about that subject, and welcome to the Language of Business. Thank you for inviting me here today. And as far as being the only woman in the corporate boardroom, I'm no stranger to that. Interactions are what they are, and you have met these people. I mean, interview process and vetting process goes on usually for months before selection, so at least it's not cold. But I would say that probably the gentlemen around the table are a little less comfortable having a chat with the woman in the room, but, but you, that's okay. If you have good people around the table, why does gender diversity matter? Many of the studies have shown that the best financial performing companies have diversity in their boardroom. What does the analysis say? The analysis says that diversity of perspectives breeds a bit more creative thinking. When you see people who are very similar, they get into groupthink and don't want to step out of the lines. Sometimes I will ask a question and then see the silence and sort of say, ooh, was I not supposed to ask that? I think that what the studies say and what my experience has been is that it just brings a different dialogue. For you personally, how many other women do you want around the table? Oh my goodness, as many as are correct. I think it would be ideal if the world could be balanced. And, you know, I have heard some women that are on boards have said, oh, I don't know if they put another woman on the board. But I think we're getting past that. Some of the boards that I've seen is that once there is a woman, usually with a certain amount of camaraderie and influence, there will be another and another. What would the implications be of an all-female board? Oh, well, that would be great. No. <laughs> I think an all-female board, again, would probably not be the right answer because, again, it wouldn't be diverse. It would take away from the balance of ideas. Do the customer demographics have any connection with gender diversity on a board? Oh, I think they should. 10 to 15 years ago, it wasn't uncommon to find a board of a company that made baby shoes or made women's handbags being all male. To me, it would be similar to having a sporting good company 
without having a sports figure on the board. Do you think that government regulators should mandate the types of people on a board, including gender, color, race, and creed? Oh, well, I think that would be going way too far for the government. I think the fact that while other countries have made gender quotas, we have not. I think even in our regulation around employment, the government has stated that they want equal opportunity, whether it be gender, race, or sexual orientation, they never make hard and fast guidelines. And I think that's best. That's truly more American, and it gives management the opportunity to select the best candidate by considering the full pool of applicants. If you were starting a company today, what would be your ideal setup of the management team as well as the board in terms of gender diversity? Well, I don't necessarily think of setting up my ideal team based on gender. I do and have always had a philosophy, if I'm in the position of starting a board, that there will be a woman on the board. Typically, when I've had the opportunity to start mutual fund boards, we start with three or four people. And so, you know, one woman is not a lot to ask. And I also start with what are the characteristics that we're looking for in the board members. And from that, if it happens to be that I'm looking for a legal expert or an accounting expert, I will consider both men and women and determine who's the best fit. Kathy, thank you. Thank you, Greg. Kathy Hugelow, Independent Board Director. Coming up, how much can a CEO control who's on the board? A business designed to change corporate culture in other businesses. But first, even today, women only have 20% of the seats on corporate boards as the language of business continues. Gender diversity on boards is certainly good for business, but how do you measure that? Pat Flynn certainly has an opinion or two on the subject. She is a trustee professor of economics and management at Bentley University. Welcome to the Language of Business. Thank you. Glad to be here. So why is gender diversity so important? Okay, gender diversity on boards. It's important because, just to give you some information at the beginning, there's less than 20% of the directors are women in the United States. In Massachusetts, it's only 16%. If you think about the role of women in the economy, over half the population, they, not surprisingly, spend about 85% of all consumer sure. dollars are spent by women. Most recent data show that women over 50 have three quarters of the dollars in this country. Whether it's women, whether they're spending money, or whether they have financial wherewithal, and yet boards have less than one in five are women. But couldn't the same be said for people of different race, color, or creed? Yes, that can be true. However, it's much harder to get that data. I'm responsible with some of my colleagues to do a report every year on the 100 largest companies in Massachusetts. Right. And we go through their public documentation and we can find out if they're male or female. They do not indicate whether they are minority or their backgrounds. So it might read well in a company's annual report, but does it affect their stock price? In terms of diversity. Absolutely. Let's put it this way. Some studies have shown pretty conclusively that if you have a diverse board, in particular women on the board, then your stock price is going to do better. For instance, Credit Suisse did a study of over 2,000 companies in the world, and they show that if you have even one woman on your board, stock price performance was about 26% better than the companies that had no women. What about companies that have no women on the management team? No women on the management team. That's almost as bad as having no women on the board. One of the things we track in Massachusetts is women on boards and women in the executive suite. And of the 100 largest companies today, 
22 of those companies have no women on their boards. 22, hard to believe. But another 44 have no women in their executive suites. So we actually affectionately call the companies that have no women in either place zero zeros. They right. do not like to be called zero zeros, but we're working on it. When we started doing this report in 2003, 50 of the 100 companies had no women on their boards. And so now it's down to 22, but it should be zero. Is there an ideal number of women on a board? Well, board numbers vary, so I would say 50% for men and women would be ideal. We're not saying women should take over the boards, but there has been research that shows the magic number is three. If you have three women on the board, Catalyst has shown on research that their performance measures by far boards that have fewer. There's also some additional studies that have been done that three women in the room, in the board of directors room, makes a big difference. What are your recommendations for companies to get the best people in the seats regardless of gender? If they can't find anybody, and this is an excuse we get all the time, we say, why do you not have any women on your board? Look at your customers, look at the people who invest in you. Frequently they will say, we can't find anyone. So the next question is obviously, where have you looked? Unfortunately, in the companies that have no women on their boards, frequently they ask other board members. They ask the people in the room. They ask people on their nominating committee. So they really need help because the women are out there. Used to be that they only took CEOs or former CEOs to serve on boards. That's just not the case anymore. They're looking for people with finance skills. They're looking for people with marketing skills. They're looking for people with cyber experience, risk analysis experience. And there are a lot of women that qualify in those areas. So they should definitely get help. Do Gender diversity best practices differ from country to country. Absolutely. The key is the difference between what's happening in Europe versus what's happening in the United States. For instance, there are board gender quotas. Norway was the first. Norway started back in 2003. But since then, France, Spain, the Netherlands, many other countries have mandated a certain percentage. The percentage varies, but it's often between 30 and 40 percent. Do you think the U.S. should follow suit? We're not going to have mandatory quotas. I don't believe that's going to happen. But the role model of the UK and working on a voluntary basis with large corporations and getting the message across and having the men help the women. I mean, especially in companies that there aren't women, either executives or board members, it's kind of hard to get access. So we really need those men. And I think the UK model is excellent for the US. Pat, thank you. You're welcome. Pat Flynn, trustee professor of economics and management at Bentley University. Coming up, how much can a CEO control who's on the board and starting a business designed to change corporate culture in other businesses? Next on The Language of Business. Our sponsor is Art Lifting. If you have a small business, or even if you run a Fortune 500 company, you can uplift the look of your office with Art Lifting. Art Lifting has over 1,300 artworks in a variety of styles and prices. You can buy them or rent them and switch them up on a rotation every month or so. But wait, there's more. All of the Art Lifting art is by artists who are homeless or dealing with disabilities. So you not only brighten and uplift your office, you're helping local communities across the USA. To learn more and view the collection, go to artlifting.com. Once again, here's Greg Stoller. Thanks, Don. A CEO runs the company, but can he or she determine who is on their board? Eastern Bank certainly thinks so. Bob Rivers, President and CEO, welcome to the Language of Business. Well, thank you, Greg. Great to be here. 
How much can you control who's on your board? Oh, we control that a lot, as a matter of fact. We have a very defined nomination process in conjunction with one of our board committees that conducts that. But certainly management is highly involved in how that's administered and ultimately how the candidates are sourced. You've got three women on your board right now, good or bad? Not good enough. Only 20% out of the 15 members that we have, higher than many, but certainly not where we need to be. Last I checked, half the population are women, and to be truly representative of the marketplace that we serve, we obviously want to be at a much higher percentage than that. So if you had to grade yourself on an A to F scale, what mark would you give? I'd actually give us a B, which might strike you as pretty generous, given that it's only 20%. But when you look at the overall diversity of our board, women and people of color actually comprise about half our board. So on that measure, we're significantly better overall. Does it make a difference financially? It makes a tremendous difference financially. Uh, there's a lot of research out there that demonstrates that companies that have more diverse boards, more women on their boards, actually perform much better in pretty much any financial metric that you could select. And I will tell you, in terms of the decision making, it is certainly so much better. And obviously one is correlated with the other. In the end, really diversity is all about developing the most robust collective mindset that you can have on any team to make better decisions. You have 20% of your board being women. How about your management team? Our management team is about 25% of our management committee. That's the top 15 people in the company. Again, not as high as we'd like to be, but certainly something that we're focused on and continue to work at. Given the strong nomination processes that you have in place, how quickly do you think you can affect change? Unfortunately, it tends to be fairly slow. Our board is now 15 people, which is on the higher end than it has been. So we're not looking to bring on new board members on our board of directors at this particular time. Certainly, as we have vacancies over time, we'll start to bring them on, but we really wouldn't be back out sourcing new directors for another few years. Thankfully, we have a three-tiered governance structure. We have a board of trustees of about 50 people, a board of corporators of about 80 people. So our percentage of women among that group is actually approaching 30% today, so certainly much higher in an aggregate sense. And we have much more turnover within those groups, and also the nature of those groups allow us to bring on much more people, as evidenced by the 50 and the 80, respectively. Beyond gender diversity, are there other changes you'd like to make on your board? Well, certainly from a skill set perspective, we've had focus there. And of course, that's where we start. Really with any director, any trustee, any corporator, what is their professional experience? What can they really contribute to the company to help us make us better, really in a number of different things? When it comes to the board of directors, we've really been focused on bringing on people that really understand the changes that technology are really driving in financial services, a critical issue for us right now. So in recent years, we brought on directors that have specific knowledge in that space to help guide and advise us. What do you think the perfect board looks like in terms of skill sets, gender, and everything else? Well, from our perspective, we need a lot of specific knowledge around financial services. So we certainly need a heavy component of that. And thankfully, we do, not surprisingly. We certainly need representation from technology. We have that. We'd like to have a little more representation of people who understand how to build brand, which is another critical issue for us. So there are a variety of skill sets that we could array today that are not only important as they have been in the past, but will really be important in terms of where we're taking the company in the future. And then from the perspective of diversity, 
really making sure as we look at the marketplace that we serve, breaking that down in terms of making sure that we have at least 50% women and looking at the various communities that make up our community in the aggregate, making sure that those percentages are in line, that's really more unlike what the perfect board for us would look like. In other countries, the government has strict regulations about board percentages, whether it be race, color, creed, etc. Would you like to see the U.S. government adopt similar practices? I will tell you, I'm not a big fan of government regulation in general. But I will tell you, this is an area where I think it needs to be considered. In fact, here in Massachusetts, a number of us were part of an effort that recently passed a non-binding resolution that the number of women on your board is at least around 20%. It's a start. It's not where we need to be. Because unfortunately, absent those sorts of guidelines, requirements, the issue just doesn't get enough focus as it should. We recently passed legislation around pay equity here in Massachusetts, putting in much more stringent requirements for companies in terms of looking at the overall compensation gap between their male and female employees. And I think, again, that's a good thing. Bob, thank you. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate the opportunity. Bob Rivers, President and CEO of Eastern Bank. Still to come, we hear about a business designed to change corporate culture in other businesses as the language of business continues. Trying to change the world with an idea is great, but can you create a business to do so profitably? That's where Stephanie Sonnebend comes in. She has created 2020 Women on Boards, and welcome to the Language of Business. Thank you, Greg. Why did you create this organization? In 2010, we were dismayed by the lack of progress women were making in getting onto corporate boards. Despite great efforts by women's organizations, the numbers hadn't moved in 10 years. So I figured we had to do something else. Hence, the formulation of 2020 Women on Boards. And you chose 2020 because it was 10 years after the organization was founded? Exactly. We wanted an achievable goal uh, to get to 20%. And, with, uh, and we figured uh, having a goal with a deadline made so much more sense. Why only women? We wanted to be very focused on a single issue. And we felt that it's much easier to track women than if you looked at other forms of diversity, which gets to be a little more challenging tra uh, tracking who actually is diverse. How are you going to determine if a company has complied or not? We do our own research and measure the number of women on, on boards. Uh, it's all public information, and we publish it in our directory on 2020wob.com by the number of women that companies have on their boards. But there are no member companies. These are all companies you're monitoring. Correct. These are all public companies and a few private companies as well who are on the Fortune 1000 list or who self-report. And uh, it's, uh, we just monitor them through public records. So let's say five years has gone by and the metric hasn't moved at all. What do you do? Well, fortunately, the metric has moved. And we've, we, when we started the campaign, uh, that we were at 14.6%, and in our index, which is where we track the same companies, we're up to uh, almost 19%, so we're rapidly approaching our goal. But our strategy is to educate companies about why diverse boards are better, more profitable, and improve the bottom line, and advocate for change. And do you think it's possible to advocate for change as a single organization? 
Well, we partner with many, many other women's organizations or any organization that is willing to partner with us and take this on because our attitude is the more people talking about this issue and the greater the conversation on this, that is what will impact change. We get to 2020 and you're 22%. What happens then? We are thrilled. And then we will evaluate at that point whether we'll say that we've done our job and we declare victory and go away, as many campaigns do. Or probably another group decides that to take it to 30%, because 20% we feel is just the minimum of what it means to be diverse. What we would really love is to companies get to at least to 30%, if not parity. Do you think gender diversity is the only issue that has to be improved on boards? No, I think there are a number of issues that need to be improved on boards. I am a big proponent of term limits, not necessarily age limits, because people age differently. But I do believe that it's diversity of thought that's so important, is getting different perspectives with people from different backgrounds. And that requires refreshing boards, not just having the same group of men, predominantly, sit around talking about the same issues year after year after year. That is not vital in the 21st century. What happens if you have no term limits and a permanent board of only women? I don't think a permanent board of only women is valuable either. Because again, it's about diversity of thought. Even on the 2020 Women on Boards, our board is diverse. We have equal number of men and women. Stephanie, thank you. Thank you, Greg. Stephanie Sonnenbend, founder of 2020 Women on Boards. Thanks, Greg. We publish a new episode of The Language of Business every Tuesday. We're available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and tune in and Google Play and Stitcher or just say Alexa. Play the language of business. Searching for latest episode of the language of business. Here it is from my cast. Made in America. How a local shirt maker. See, that was easy. You can do it on Hey Google, too. So far, we have downloads in 21 states and 19 countries. Thank you for the support. Our director is Mark Mandel. Additional production by Derek Reisner. Social media by Jennifer Powell of ExcellentWriters.com. Consulting producer is Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. Audio editing and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of SomethingYouShouldKnow.net. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Thanks for listening to The Language of Business.